Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Peach State Pandemonium for Thursday, January 5th, 2017. This is Michael Norris along with Jerry Oates and Bobby Simmons. Jay West is uh, still uh, suffering uh, a little bit of uh, the aftermath of his surgery, uh, but he is going to try and call in tonight. I, he wouldn't make any promises, but he said he would try and call in and uh, just give us an update. But uh, I talked to him this afternoon. He still sounded uh, well-medicated, let me put it that way. <laughs> but uh, anyway, after two weeks off, uh, we are back. Uh, how are you guys doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm doing well, no complaints. I'm, uh, I've am i got the windows boarded up, and, uh, you know, just in case it gets the snow gets so deep, it drives to get in. But So we're doing good. I hear you. What are they talking about for down your way, Jerry? Weather wise. Uh, uh it's gonna be in the forties tonight, uh Saturday, the high and the low is forty six and then Saturday night I think it's like will be like they say twenty three, but we'll have to wait and see. You're talking about two to three inches of snow possible here between Friday night and Saturday. But you know. Yeah, you know all that goes. Atlanta, I always say if it's going to snow, it's going to snow in either December or February, and, and we're getting it uh, getting it a month early or a month late if we get it. Well, we, we haven't even had a winter, so I'm, you know everybody's acting like it's Minnesota or something. But it, you know <laughs> it's going to blow in and blow right out. But we got snow what uh, three years ago. January of, of 2014, because I was still in the hospital, and I remember, you know, the the hospital, the hospital staff being shut in. It's one of the times I was in the hospital. I think it was when I was in Eastside yeah, of Snellville. Uh, thing scary up here is if we do get it, it's, it's they're saying, and they all seem to agree that we are going to get something, but it's going to start tomorrow afternoon, go through the night, and then up about three quarters of the day Saturday. But the but the thing that's scary is they're talking about it being eighteen degrees Saturday night and eighteen degrees Sunday night. Whatever's on the ground that melts is gonna be that black ice. That's what scares well, that's, me. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah that's, so that's I you know thing. I got a hold of my deacons today, told them to call me Saturday night because if it's bad I said we're staying home. I just uh, it ain't worth the risk to get some of them elderly people out there playing in that ice. No. Not Come think of it, it ain't worth getting me out there playing in that ass. <laughs> yeah, I can just see you going out to get in your car and sliding all the way down to the foot of your driveway. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> you just have to lay there till it melted. and you. <laughs> yeah, or somebody rode up and down the street that could help me. <laughs> huh. Oh, man. Well, how was uh, everybody's holiday? Mine was quiet. Mine too. Mine Very too. Quiet. We went, uh we had uh watch light service at church uh Saturday night into Sunday morning and Bobby was good enough to come by and pick me up and allow me to go to church, but other than that, uh that whole week was pretty much uneventful for me. Well I'm still mad at Santa Claus. I'm still looking for that Lincoln and I ain't found it yet. 
Well, maybe you took it to the wrong house in your neighborhood. That's what I'm hoping. I, every year, I mean, I, every year I, I go out in my driveway hoping I'm going to have a great big new Lincoln out there with one of them big red bows on it. And every year I'm disappointed. I just come on back in the house. Well, you need to check your neighbor's driveway or something. <laughs> wrong slot. Well, we haven't uh, haven't had any disastrous as far as losing anybody in this, the last two weeks since we've been off, which has been good. Maybe 2017 will slow down a little bit, and we won't uh, lose too many of our fraternity. I certainly hope so. We could use a good year. Yeah, so uh, nothing new happening on on that front as far as that goes. Haven't heard of anybody in any ill health other than Jimmy Snookin, who know they dropped the uh, murder charges against him, or they didn't drop them. They never brought them. They decided that he was not worth worth uh, taking to court because his diminished mental capacity and his <clears throat> terminal illness. But we'll see in two years when he's sitting at some autograph session in New Jersey, signing autographs and charging, knowing, you know, having good enough mental facilities to know how much to charge for those autographs. How long has that been? Thirty something years. Has it been that long? Uh yeah, about about thirty-two, thirty-three years. Yeah. Well, I don't know what music you have by now, but well, supposedly the the whole thing started back up a couple of years ago when some investigative reporter. You know, dug up something and found out where the uh, the DA at that time in whatever state it is, Pennsylvania or wherever it was, it, that all this occurred. Uh, kind of uh, <clears throat> buried some some evidence that supposedly was there, and so you know, kind of embarrassed the current administration of whatever that state is to uh, look into it again, and now you know. They've decided it's not worth their their effort, I guess, because if he's if he's truly terminally ill, he's would never make it through trial anyway. No, but who knows? It's just a sad situation all the way around. It is. It is. It really is. I never was around him much when he was in Georgia. Was he a big? Drug user when he was here, Bobby. He talking about snooker. Yeah, I wasn't around him that much either. He. I mean, I wrestled him one time, but but it was mainly I couldn't understand anything he had to say when he was calling the match. But well, I mean, I I just you know. I didn't know that much about him. I was not. I wasn't around him that much. But I've heard, you know, that he was <clears throat> he was rather proficient in the use of herbal medication. So you know, but I don't know for sure. I don't have any firsthand knowledge. He kind of he kind of came into the picture there, as far as Georgia was concerned. He kind of came in there to tail end as I was kind of fading out of that. So uh, I want to say George Scott got him in here a little bit. 
because um, yeah, he had worked for Georgia up in the Carolinas, and they yeah. brought him in as a heel, and he he was teamed with uh, Gordy, and that's when uh, you know Michael Hayes was had older sister and all that um, right that going on. But they were surprisingly a good, good team. He and Gordy, of course. Gordy was known to to partake a little bit himself at times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's a it's a it's amazing that uh, guys got one place to another most of the time. I know some of them would get waylaid some sometimes and not make it to their destination, but. With all that stuff that was going around back in those days, it's a wonder, you know, that they didn't all end up in a ditch somewhere. Yeah, that, that's what Bobby and I talked about. You better be careful who you rode with. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I wonder how many, uh, you know, I can only speak for, for the promotion I work for, but I imagine it was the same thing everywhere. I imagine every promotion across the country had somebody in law enforcement that, that, that handled their security or handled their quote-unquote problems that they were they were being paid a little extra or paid on the table or whatever to kind of watch out for guys. I mean, what are the odds of all these guys that had all this stuff never getting, you know, caught? I mean, if it, if it had been me, I'd have went to jail for 150 years. And yet... I, I never understood that either, Bobby. You know, but, they just you know, kind of I mean, skated along, and I, and I know, I mean, like I say, we had a guy in Atlanta that we we took care of that, that helped us with from time to time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, these and they were they were blatantly open with it. You know, well, we laugh about know, Wahoo. I, I love Wahoo to death, but the, the 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 deal about Wahoo and the tackle box—that's the absolute truth. I mean, he could open that thing up just if he had a. He didn't, you know, you didn't even need a prescription. You just tell the doctor what you wanted. <laughs> and, and see, you, you know, you're not just talking about local. I mean, you, you're talking about all the guys on the road with these state troopers everywhere. Everywhere, I mean, yeah. State troopers, I mean, troopers don't play, you know, I don't care who you are. And if they recognize you, they want to get that notoriety for saying, well, I busted this or busted that, you know, that. Exactly. We had that little deal there in Butts County, not far from where I live here, where that state trooper pulled over a, a certain gentleman from Missouri named Harley Race, and Harley was driving that Trans Am, and, you know, the Trans Am console was made so that if you opened the top of the console, a six-pack would sit just inside that console. And he had a six-pack of beer in there, and, and that's that little young state trooper stopped him, recognized him, had him outside the car talking to him, told him he was going to reach in there and, open it up and look inside that console, and Harley said, if you don't have a warrant, you're not. And the guy said, you just behave. And he reached in, and when he did, Harley hit him. And uh, they had a little little set to there. But, <laughs> you know, the, for that one, there's a, there was there was a thousand of them across the country, and, and how these guys never, you know, I mean, I don't remember, maybe there was, but I don't remember many of them getting caught. I never heard of it. Yeah, because I mean, you know, most guys drove a hundred miles an hour and <clears throat> weren't the uh, most careful of drivers either most of the time. Because you know, I know in my case, I was usually running late 
to be somewhere where I was supposed to be because I'd already done two or three other shots trying to make, you know, make a <clears throat> a Saturday worth, you know, worthwhile trying to work four or five times that day in that many different cities and running behind the whole time. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's a wonder that, that you know, not that I drank or anything like that when I traveled. You know, I might have a beer or two, but, you know, most of the time I was the only one driving. And, uh, you know, you're coming out of the, the mountains in Alabama to, into Birmingham at 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's everybody in the car is asleep but you, and you're trying to stay awake. It's a yeah. wonder I didn't land in a ditch somewhere. Well, you know, you're talking, you're talking about making four or five shots. Fayetteville... Years ago, and we're going back, well, this was in the 70s, uh, there was no, Interstate 185 was a pipe dream back then going to Columbus. So most of the guys that lived on the south side of town would try to stop by their house. And maybe they needed a change of clothes, or maybe they grabbed a sandwich or whatever. So most of us went through down old Georgia 85 going to Columbus TV. Well, the city of Fayetteville, those policemen there knew we were coming through there. And they knew we were going to be in a hurry. And they were notorious for stopping guys. I mean, no matter how careful you was, they found a reason to stop you. Sometimes, if nothing more than they wanted to talk to you, you know, to the guys. And I, and, and Charlie Smith can tell you more about this, but... Even going back, and, and of course, I know Jerry probably worked it. Did you ever work Hogansville on a Saturday night, Jerry, or was that before your time? That was before me, brother. They used to run Hoganville on Saturday nights. And they would have, you know, that's when Atlanta TV was live. And it went from 6 to 7 or 6.30 to 7.30. Then they had to leave the TV station and get to Hoganville. And there was no interstate. So you had to go down through Fayetteville. And they were just notorious for sitting there waiting on the guys. So I'm sure there was towns like that everywhere. I know the guy yeah. the guy the guy in Manchester got to where he knew my car. And I would come through there sometimes late at night when when my first wife we were dating and she lived there and I would I would leave wherever Saturday night and go to Columbus. Uh he knew my car and oh he always wanted to stop and talk. But uh just, it's just amazing that no more uh, serious <laughs> go to jail, do not pass go didn't happen with some of the some of the things that went on going up and down the road. Yeah, it was it was uh, they were wide open those guys. <laughs> and you had guys like <clears throat> Fargo's and all their antics. Picking up hitchhikers and scaring them to death and stuff like that. But at least we were entertained, I guess. Well, you, that, that that wouldn't work today, none of that stuff. <laughs> oh, jeez, can you imagine? Lord, no. Everybody has a phone. Everybody has a camera. Oh yeah. You know the Fargos were notorious for. You know, being on the side of the road naked and standing up in the trunk naked, and I mean, just all this stuff. And it just, 
or riding with one of them on the roof of the hood of the car naked going oh, 100 miles an hour. 100 miles an hour, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. How how oh. how medicated do you have to be to even attempt something like that? I want to say it was Slater told me this. Now, I may be wrong. I may be attributing this to the wrong person. But I think Dick Slater told me one time they were coming from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, and Moondog Maine was on top of the car, and he was driving. Which is not too far beyond the realm of me believing that. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, what do you... You know, you're not thinking, but what are you thinking when you do something like yeah, that? Yeah. I, just, I mean, where's the hoopla in that? I mean, I don't. So you can tell somebody <laughs> you did it? I mean, I don't know. Just trying to get huh. a reaction, I guess. I guess. Well, it's like Bill Bowman said, we just wanted to be entertained, and sometimes we had to entertain <laughs> ourselves. So I guess that's what they were doing. The, the wildest I ever got was throwing beer bottles or, or Coke bottles at, at highway signs. Or mailboxes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I heard John Walker was the, was the master of that. Let me tell you something. We were coming back somewhere one night, and he drank Miller Ponies, the little bottles. And we were coming up, and, and I was on passenger side, so I decided I'm going to hit some mailboxes with the beer bottle. And that particular night, I couldn't, I, I couldn't have hit a barn if it had been close. I missed everything I threw at. And John rolled the window down on the driver's side, and he said, here, let me show you. And he threw one left-handed across the top of the car and hit a mailbox. Now, we could have done it 100 more times, and he'd have missed it. But that particular night, he was just showing me up and hit it left-handed over the top of the car. Is that when you rolled your window up? That's, I quit. I said, no more. <laughs> No more. And when you were out there working for Watch, Jerry, did you travel mainly by yourself, or did you have set people? I know you got uh, stuck driving with with Red Osborne a time or two, but I never rode with him. Well, I thought you did get no. stuck with him one time. I, no, I, we passed him one night. No, he well, yeah, we. We passed him. It was me and Brian Blair and I forgot who else. We passed him. It was, oh, I mean, it was in the 20s. He was riding by himself, had the window down, his arm was hanging out the window. I mean, he didn't know it was us passing him. So you can imagine he rode with him, nobody. Uh, who did you yeah, say that I, was with the window down? Red Osborne, Jim Osborne. Oh, Red Osborne. Charlie Smith tells a story about riding back from Albany with Klondike Bill middle of the winter and Charlie's cold natured anyway but Charlie said when he got back to Atlanta with Klondike Bill he said he run the air conditioner all the way home Charlie said he was blue when he got back to the hateful up there where the car was but you talking about Osborne that's the only place I ever, I ever ran into him only place he didn't work a whole lot of places he was uh he was with uh, McGurk for years and years. He he came through Mobile a time or two, uh, once as Red Osborne and then once as Dr. X. He worked for Vern up there teaming with uh, Dick Byer. When Dick Byer was Dr. X in <clears throat> Minnesota, they brought Osborne in as um, Double X. 
he was up there a few months, and then he he came went back to Oklahoma and started using the Doctor X name, and they put the World Junior title on him and everything. He was uh he was one of Leroy's old timers that had been around there forever. The guys like him and Red McKim and Mike Clancy and guys like that. Well, he he was a strange one. I mean, he he was. He, when I was there, he wasn't there long. I don't know where he lived, where he come in from, nothing. That's the first time I ever met him. Never did see him after that. I, I don't I know. I think where he, he settled lived. in Jackson, Mississippi, and he worked for the cult because he was still, he was still in the business. In seventy eight, seventy nine, he was working for the Culkins when they were running, running out of Jackson, Mississippi. When they had Frankie Kane booking for him, and he he worked for them then as Doctor X. Um, yeah, they they ran Jackson or Vicksburg, Vicksburg, and, yeah, and Greenwood, I think. Greenville. Greenville. Well, we went to a Greenwood too. I don't know. That was on a, like a Friday night. Yeah, I think uh, I think Osborne settled in Jackson when his career wound down. I don't know whatever became of him after that. So how was Frankie King looking there in '78? Well, the Culkins, when when uh, Watts split off from from uh, McGurk and took Louisiana and opened up Mid South, the Culkins didn't want to go with him, and I think they had already left uh, Leroy. So they opened up, you know, they were from Vicksburg. It was Jack and Jack and George Curtis. George and George was, they were stepbrothers. And George Curtis, his real name was George Culkin, and he and his son Gil started promoting. They, the, the Curtis brothers promoted parts of Mississippi on and off for probably since the late 40s, especially around Vicksburg, which is where they were from. Um Jack but, uh, took care of Jack Jr. Uh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it had to be because I think Jack Senior was was gone by that time. But anyway, the Culkins opened up there, and they, they um, that was about the time Lee Fields was shutting down, um, late '77, early '78, and uh, a lot of the Gulf Coast guys went over there and worked for them. And Frankie ended up booking over there. That's where Percy. Pringle, Bill Moody got you know got his start there. Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, both well, Gordy had been around some outlaws in North Georgia, and Tennessee since he was 13 years old. But he he went there, and uh, Michael Hayes had been doing well. Mike Seitz had been doing jobs for uh, Lee Fields and refereeing the tail end of, of the Gulf Coast promotion. He went over there. And Frankie's the one that gave him the Hayes name. He called him Pretty Boy Michael Hayes, and he put uh, he and Terry Gordy together. They well, that were they right were Because I, I left at the end of '78. I mean '77. Yeah, yeah. So that would have yeah. It was this was early '78. <clears throat> but uh, they were called the IWA. They had television and they had uh, they were 
you know, did pretty well. Troy Graham was there. Uh, Pork Chop Cash was there. They had a bunch of guys, you know, good workers. And, of course, Frankie Kane was a, was a tremendous booker, from what I understand. What over those um, running? Uh, they ran Biloxi. They ran uh, basically all the, the all of the Mississippi that that uh, towns that, that Watts ended up with when they went when they finally gave in and, and went back to Watts uh, or joined up with Watts. So all those towns that, that Watts ran in Mississippi, but they I know they ran Biloxi, or they at least they had television in Biloxi. I'm almost sure they ran Biloxi. They ran. Uh, Jackson, they ran uh, Vicksburg, uh, Greenville, probably that little Greenwood or whatever you know, whatever spot towns that they could find along there. I don't know if they ran Meridian or or uh, Laurel, but they probably did since nobody else was running them since Lee had gone shut down. But it lasted probably a year or so, and then. Uh, Kind of folded into Watts. Buck Robley was in and out of there. Uh, I think that's where uh, JYD first started, or not first started, but that was you know where he was when he ended up with Watts. I'm trying to think who else was there. The uh, the Samoans, Tio and Tapu were there. Um, Izzy Slapowitz was there. Oki Shakina was there. Uh, Jimmy Harris, who became Kamala, was there. That was his first first territory. He was uh, Sugar Bear Harris is what he was called. But Eddie Sullivan worked over there for a while. Uh, Rip Tyler worked over there for a while. I think Curtis Smith may have worked over there off and on. Leon Baxter. A lot of the, like I said, a lot of the Gulf Coast guys, Boyette, a lot of those guys were in and out of over there for the Culkins, but um, like I said, they had a good television product. Oh, um, that was um, what's his name? Um, Ed Leslie, that became Brutus Beefcake. He was over there working as uh, Dizzy Boulder. That was after he uh, he had come through and worked for Fuller for a little bit, and then he went over there. He was Ed Boulder working for Fuller, and then he was there maybe three or four months, which was his first first territory because he came in just as Hogan was leaving Fuller. And he stayed there two or three months, and then they cut him loose, and he went to work for uh, for the Culkins. That's it. That's what we've been looking for. But they had a good crew. They just, you know... For whatever reason, they decided to go back in with uh, with Washington. Of course, you know George Culkin, George Curtis. He had all kind of political stuff. In fact, I think he held some sort of um, state representative office at one point in Mississippi. But they had all the. Uh, he was a nice man. He was very nice. You always man. heard he was. I, I met Gil. Well, I met George and Gil. They both came to the Gulf Coast reunion a, a time or two, and then George passed away. What ever happened to Jack Curtis? You know, he and Randy both used to come to uh, 
come to Mobile, and then just here within the last five, six years, they, they kind of quit coming. Jack, the last I heard, he was living in Vicksburg and owned a um, Army-Navy store. <clears throat> and Randy was in Vicksburg, too, and I don't, I don't remember what he was doing. He was doing something similar. Jack was a nice guy, too. Yeah, he was. He was a good guy. There was around Jack Buzz, but I worked with Randy. You know, Randy worked with us at, at All South. He uh, he was probably there about a year. Good, good guy. Yeah, he was a. Um, I can't remember what he he was in the military. I can't remember if he was a ranger or a paratrooper, but he was something similar to that. Randy was. <clears throat> So you can go back and look at uh, newspaper clippings in the late 40s, all through the 50s, where the the Curtis brothers, Jack Jack Senior and George, they uh, they drew big money all throughout Louisiana, Mississippi, and East Texas, parts of Alabama. Now, we talk about these things, you know, it's just hard to believe. It. I mean, that's that's a lifetime ago. It, it, yeah. it is. You know, <laughs> you, you look back at it and you're, my gosh, what are we talking about? I mean, it's, there's not many people that even know what we're talking about. I mean. Yeah, it, it's just a, that's, I mean, I just, uh, uh, I think I think back to, to you know, I, <laughs> I just think about these towns and the places we used to go and the things we used to do, and 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 just things have changed so much. I was in I Columbus mean, the fr- the Friday before Christmas, and it's just I mean that place has changed so. so you know we all you know we used to use when we would go to Columbus, Maker would use Highway U what is it, US eighty that goes out through there. I mean yeah. you just cannot. I mean that used to be a two lane road or four lane road. I can't remember. But there was nothing on it. It was just a few residential areas, but there was nothing on that road. And now, man, there's it's just built up so much you don't even recognize it anymore. Just downtown Columbus has changed. Just just that's just one city, but you know the <clears throat> road downtown. Looking around in the ten twenty seven Front Street, the parking lot now. Yeah, <laughs> and. Like you said, but the, the, the scary part about it, or, or the unbelievable part, and you didn't think a thing about it, we was in these towns every week. Yeah. No matter what what territory you were in, you was in these towns every week. Every week. But, I mean, that's almost, you look back at that, you can't even believe that happened. You really, I mean, I can't. Every week. And for the most part, we all made a good living. <laughs> no. You can't, you can't even fathom that. You, you, you tell somebody that today, it, it, it's you look back at it and you just, you, I don't even believe it happened. Every you week. think about it, all the towns that we worked in and all the uh, the different promotions and everything, you know, they all had 
the people that were working there were, were guys that at one time had been in the business and, and had wrestled for a living and were taking care of towns or working in the office. I mean, you know, Bobby's mentor, Charlie Harbin, is a, is a perfect example, and his brother George. Both of them were, you know, well-known names back in the, the 40s and 50s as far as actually getting in the ring and working. Both of them ended up with office jobs. You know, George was... Yeah, exactly. I mean, think of the guys in the Tampa office. You had Charlie Lay. You had uh, Eduardo Perez. You had, you know, Garibaldi in and out. Um, who else was down there, Jerry? You say Charlie Lay? Charlie Lay, yeah. Yeah, it was it was uh, Duke Kiyomoka. It was... Duke, Duke Kiyomoka, yeah. It was just, that's the way it was, you know? That's the way Where it guys was. became referees, like... like Korska Jean, uh, you know, Stu, I don't know if Stu Schwartz ever wrestled, but, you know, I think Stu was, was you know, always is a referee. He's not doing but good now. Is, is he not doing good? His health has been bad since, ever since Bonnie died, but but he's he's on Facebook every once in a while. I think he's doing better than he has been. He He went through a bad spell there for a while, but he seems to be doing a little bit better. He moved back to Tampa. I think he's back in Tampa. Yeah, he always took care of himself. Yeah, he was in great shape the last time I saw him at the last reunion, Mobile reunion I was at. What a nice guy he is. He and Bonnie was was just a sweetheart. Yes, Stu was a good guy. He was in Charlotte when he was up there. He used to ride with us a lot. I always liked Stu. In fact, he was refereeing when I started in Florida. That's when I first yeah. met him. Yeah. I think Charlotte and, and uh, Tampa were the only two territories he ever refereed in, unless he came through here, any. He he. They would use him as a special referee in Atlanta every once in a while. Whenever they needed a troubleshooter from the NWA, they would bring him in. You talking about Charlie Lake? No, uh, uh, Stu. Stu, yeah. They, I remember in Atlanta one night they did a, uh, I want to say it was the first time Briscoe and, and, and Funk worked after Funk uh, Briscoe had won the title. They had announced there would be a special referee appointed by the NWA. So they brought Gordon in to do the ring announce, and, of course, they were filming it. And, and Gordon got in the ring, and he said, uh, whoever the uh, special referee is, please make yourself known now. And Stu had come in and sat down on the fourth row at ringside, been there the whole night with a trench coat on. And uh, he got up, walked up to the ring, took the trench coat off, and climbed in the ring. And they made a, you know, made a big deal out of it. And of course, as you say, Stu was in such great shape and looked looked the part that you know it just uh, it got over real big with with the fans. Yeah, he always yeah, carried himself well. Yeah, I hate to hear he's not doing. Do you think about you mentioned Charlotte? You think about the people up there. You had you know Sonny Fargo was a referee. I mean, Martinelli was around. Um, I mentioned George Harbin. Who else, who else was in the office up there? Gene Anderson. Oh, yeah. Gene was still wrestling. Gene, Gene worked in the office. Yeah. Yeah, Gene was still wrestling. Um, Klondike. He was out of the ring when I got there. He was helping out. 
They had Klondike taking George care of that minor league ballpark, didn't they? I think I think he had something to do with that too, Bobby. I, I yeah, think he did. I, yeah, I know the Crockett's owned it. I think they had him taking care of it, of the ble- making sure the bleachers were repaired and stuff. Wasn't George Harris in the office up there too? No, he ran a convenience store for him. Did he? Yeah. They had, they had so much going on up there. It's hard to believe what happened to them. It's just. And they ran That's a guy that I could sit and listen and talk for hours. Buck Harris had been in this business so long and had done so many different things that he just. Was he, he just absolutely. God, he was funny. There were so many good guys. He was a Branch Welch from Dyer. Yes, really. Well, he wasn't related to him, but he might as well have been. They, they, you know, he was from Dyersburg, and he every territory that the uh, the Welches ever ran, you know, George was in at one point or another. And then he um, he wound up with the Crockets, and the Crockets basically the old man took care of him. You know, Bunk was illiterate he couldn't read or write and uh evidently the old man you know old man crockett really took to him and, and took good care of him he was uh when he died he was working as a janitor for the board of education up in the, he lived in shenandoah valley virginia but that's what he was doing he told me one time we were talking you talking about being a branch fuller he told me one time we were talking there at Mobile, and he said, you know, he said a lot of people used to, uh, you know, a lot of people would would fuss at me and would, would uh, you know, rib me about being a fuller man, a fuller man. He says, because everywhere Buddy Fuller went to book, he said, I went and worked there. He said, the reason I did that, he said, Buddy Fuller took care of me. He said, I made money everywhere the man ever booked. He said, I liked Buddy Fuller. He said, I worked with him a thousand times, and he said, they can say what they want to about me. He said, I just went where I could make a living. What's wrong with that? There ain't nothing wrong with that. Not a thing. There you go. Not a thing. Not a thing. And people still remember him, too. They remember oh, yeah. him from Charlotte yeah. TV. I mean, I <clears throat> never won a match up there as far as I know, but everybody still remembers him like he was a world champion. I saw him wrestle Buddy Rogers. On Charlotte TV, when Rogers was world champion, huh? That's how far back I go. My first remembrance of George was he worked in Atlanta. He was no, they he worked as the baby blimp. Yep. And and that was, uh, I mean, I can. It's funny how you remember things, but I can remember as a kid. He worked with Buddy Fuller, and it was a two out of three fall match, and and. Uh, between the between the, the second and third fall, uh, Benny Massey, who was the maintenance man at the city auditorium, uh, and was still there when I started putting the ring up in the seventies, Benny came down to look at the ring and told Ed Capel, and Ed Capel made the announcement that the ring, I guess they broke a board or something, I don't know. But as they come out for the third fall, Ed said, "Mr. Massey has asked me to ask y'all, please avoid." body slams in this part of the ring because the boards are broke and he's afraid, you know. And, of course, you know what they did. They went right out there and Bunk started taking slams right on that place. <laughs> but I can remember that. 
And, you know, Benny wasn't part of the business, it was, I, so that board being broke was a shoot. They just went out there and started taking slams on the broke board, so I just, but I can remember them doing that. I think it was in Georgia. Do you remember uh, Bunk's uh, kayfabe brother? George Cannon. Yep. Crybaby Harris. Crybaby Cannon. Yeah. Crybaby Harris. Crybaby Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Were you ever around him, Jerry? Did you ever cross paths with with George Cannon? In Detroit. I've always heard nothing but good things about him. That's the only time I was around him. I I, I couldn't comment one way or the other. He came in and managed the Mongols when they first brought him in here for Ann, but he was only here a couple of weeks. I guess he went a lot of places, but that I mean, I never crossed paths with him other than up there. Of course, that don't mean anything. But... Well, he was from uh, <clears throat> he was from Windsor, and uh, he's actually he used to. Uh, Write for the magazines under his real name, which was George MacArthur. And then uh, he worked a lot of places. And then when he he started managing, you know, he was with uh, Costello and Kent for the longest time with the Kangaroos. So he went everywhere they went, traveled with them. <clears throat> and then, uh, but he was mainly between you know Ontario and and Detroit. Except for when he came down and worked for Ann at All South that brief period, and then he was with uh, Einhorn when Einhorn had uh, the IWA out of the Carolinas. He was managing the Mongols there, Edie and uh, Newton Tatry. Did uh, Don Kim ever come through Georgia, Bobby? Yes, sir. He came through as a preliminary guy. He was here for a few months. I don't know when he was here. I, I knew I, I knew him um, when I went to Detroit. He was up there. Nice guy he was. Yeah, very nice. Don Kent, Don Kent and Steve Clemens was the two guys I had with me when when the guy got hit on the motorcycle, and I the guy was laying on the ground and he asked him. He said, "Please go kick it out of gear and roll it out of the way because." It's all I own in the world. Him and Kent, Kent and Clements went over to pick it up, and this poor guy's laying on the ground with a broke leg, the bone sticking out, and I'm trying to keep him calm. And here's sirens coming, and all of a sudden the guy starts fighting to get me off the ground, and I looked over, and them two wrestlers are on either side of that motorcycle, and when he said kick it out of gear, they literally thought that's what you had to do. They was putting the boots to this poor guy's motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I walked over and stepped between them and just mashed the clutch with my left hand, rolled it out of the way, and it embarrassed them. <laughs> Let's go. We're going to be late. <laughs> yeah, that's Don was a funny guy. And we could figure out how they passed him off as an Australian. And he was part of the guy. I think they, they – he was from he was from Michigan somewhere. His real name was Joe Smith. Joe Smith. Yep. Wasn't Don Kent the guy they put in the little manager's cage with uh, 
with uh, Scarpa. Strom, Strombo, yeah, in Detroit. They called it a shark cage match. I've got it on videotape. It's a, the god-awfulest thing you've ever seen in your life. Well, I mean, there's only a, it's only a, what, a, a three, three or four square foot area, <laughs> but, and you put yeah. two guys that weigh 250 in there. And then I think somebody did a run-in. I can't remember who it was. You're talking about in Detroit? Yeah. Yeah, I can believe that. I believe anything up there. I've got it's also on video. I've got, I think it's either from Detroit or from, from Toronto, a match between uh, the Sheik and Tiger Jeet Singh. It's a, a mud match where they fill the ring with mud. And they wrestle in the mud. That was another one, Tiger G. Singh. Did you ever cross paths with him in Japan? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Several times. <laughs> you ever swing your saber at you? <laughs> Not at me. But I saw him hit some of those fans when he come out of that dressing room with it. You get away with it over there. He, 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 was, I, I, he was different. I, I, I liked it. He lived in Canada. Yeah. He lived in Toronto. He was a he was a big star there. Couldn't work a lick, but he was a big star. He was big in Japan. Yeah, I know it. He was a heel in Japan, but he was babyface in Toronto. You kidding me? Because you know Toronto's got a large Indian population anyway. He had a pretty good run for Barnett over in Australia. Yeah, I'm sure he did. A he, he, he told me, now I don't know how much this is true, but he was in the import-export business. I, I, I felt pretty sure he was because he hooked me up with some, he hooked me up with some place, I can't remember, to get T-shirts and stuff made, tank tops, and I forgot, somewhere. He, I mean, he, I mean, he had he had a book with me, yeah, man, call this guy Tell him I called, said to call him, and blah blah blah. And, I mean, he—he, he, I think he was pretty legit on that. Well, he such was such a big star in in Toronto. There is a, I don't know if it's a high school or, or an elementary school, but there's a school named after him in Toronto. Oh, come on, really? no, I swear. Yep, yep. He was he was big time in Toronto. But you know he was he was he worked about just like the sheik, but you know he had his gimmick matches like the 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 mud matches that he had and <clears throat> never saw one live and I don't think I've got anything on videotape but I've seen magazines, you know when Jay York first started the Alaskan gimmick in the sixties he had his specialty match too. He worked in snow, they'd fill the ring with snow. Uh, he'd have had a rough time working in Florida, wouldn't he? <laughs> Jeez. Because <laughs> I've got pictures of, of him working with uh, Killer Buddy Austin uh, in an Alaskan death match, a ring full of snow. Uh, I never met Buddy Austin either. Never met him. I heard he was a he was a good worker back before he he ended up at the, towards the end of his life having some health issues and stuff, but, you know, he was shot 
he and Martin, Pedro Morales were a party together in uh, Australia, and uh, Pedro got got stabbed with a broken bottle, and and Austin got shot. They might not have been invited. I don't know. I, supposedly, it was something to do with gangsters or something over there. That they were. Yeah, they had some gangsters over there, like they do everywhere else, I guess. And people thought I was strange because I went home every night. <laughs> That's what I did. All that clubbing. All the times you worked oh, in Japan, did you ever look out on the front row and see the Yakuza sitting out in the front row? Oh, in Japan? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they love snow <laughs> when they were there. They love snow. And they meant it too. Don't go out of that ring. Hmm. Huh. But they were businessmen, you know. Hey, you said that they, they were, I don't guess they were involved with the promotion or anything, but Kansas City had a bunch of them too, wasn't you? Didn't you say Pat O'Connor got crossways of, of a gangster in yeah. Kansas City for the. You're one of them's kids. <laughs> Suplex him on the side, well. <laughs> I didn't know who the guy was. And Geigo got Geigo told me the story. That the next night he said, "Yeah, uh, I got a call the next morning from so and so." He didn't actually say who. And it was this guy's son. He said, "Tell Pat, don't worry about it. So he got what he deserved." Talking about his son. <laughs> Yo, Connor didn't care. I was gonna say, I don't think Pat O'Connor be anybody I'd want to fool with. No, he was uh, the first time I ever worked with him. That's when I first went to Kansas City. I had I, that might have been my first night out there, and uh, they wanted me to do a thirty-minute Broadway with him, which I didn't care. You know, I just got there. I had a headlock on him for twenty minutes. I was skint from one end to the other. <laughs> <laughs> he was funny. He was funny. Yeah, he was I remember. I th- I don't remember if you told me the story. I think Ted told me the story. He said he worked with Briscoe somewhere, and he had Briscoe in a headlock. And he said he was sitting on his butt with a headlock on Briscoe. And he said Briscoe was, was up on his on his knees and then got to his feet and was pushing forward. And he said, I th- Ted said he had the headlock on him. He said, and his face was down on the mat. Briscoe was pushing so hard to double him over <laughs> and laughing the whole time. Yeah, he could do what he wanted to with you. Oh, yeah. Oh. There's no doubt. You just don't see guys like that anymore. No. No. That's, that's really sad. Yeah, I'm afraid those days are gone. Yeah, everything we knew is history. Now it's a now it's a matter of uh, <clears throat> how many steroids and how big you are. Well, I don't even think they're that anymore, are they? Well, I'm not not as bad as it was because they're so under the microscope. When's the last time you watched an hour show, Bobby, of anything? 
Not football. Oh. I'm talking about wrestling. No, no, I can't tell you. I couldn't. I had much. I can't tell you last minutes. time I watched 15 minutes of it. I had much left, and, 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 and I could. Uh, Ten years. Don't even watch it. Don't even watch it. No, I still watch. I watch the Lucha Underground. I tape it every yeah, Wednesday night, and then I watch it on Thursday morning. I watch that, and then uh, every once in a while I'll try and catch the uh, the New Japan stuff. But I get so frustrated with it because it's nothing but spot after spot after spot. Everybody talks about how wonderful their matches are and all this stuff, and all they're just you know they're just one one spot after another, and it it doesn't, it doesn't none no of it makes any it. sense. No. Well, did anybody happen to notice today, or did you see where some corporation has bought uh, TNA? Yeah. They've hired uh, they've hired Jeff Jarrett back, and they've hired Dutch Mantel to come back. And they think Dutch is going to be part of the creative force. Maybe they're fixed to try to turn that around somewhat. Uh, I don't know. But that Dixie Carter has nothing. Even though she still has, she's on some kind of board or something, she has no say-so in the day-to-day operations or nothing to do with the creative. Well, let me ask you this. Who could come up with anything anymore? If you're going to imitate the only big outfit out there, I mean, then, I mean, I... Exactly. And that's exactly what they're that, doing. If, they, if anybody actually bought it or just didn't just take it over, uh, I feel sorry for them. Well, they're called not, Anthem, not, Anthem Entertainment. Anthem something, yeah. I'm not sure Anthem how Anthem Entertainment. I don't, I don't know. Sure I don't know what it, their root business is, or or what their how they make their money, but <laughs> they're not going to make any money in the wrestling business. Hope they got. Hope they got. They got a backup plan. <laughs> well, I, the thing today said they're they're supposed to tape their first TVs under the new regime tonight. So. But they're on a network that very that used to be the TV Guide Network. It's called Pop now. Yeah. That only you know only a quarter of the cable systems even carry. So I mean you know I don't know. I tried to watch TNA when when Jerry Jarrett first started it, and they had a lot of you know Armstrong was there and, and a lot of those guys, and then it. It just it quickly went downhill for me once Jerry Jarrett walked away from it, and it I haven't watched watched it in probably as long as Jerry hasn't watched anything. Like I said, I, I don't watch anything other than I watch the Lucha Underground, <clears throat> but that's about it for me. I just I can't get into what they call wrestling nowadays. It's just, no. it's just not, it's not entertaining that's like how, to me. That's like, that's like hiring a Lane Kiffin to run your college football program. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Have you heard the stories this man has told 
<laughs> the, 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 the Alabama's trying to work it out so he can be in the press box. That man, if he don't know he's done in Alabama, that man, that saving run that man off. Yeah. He's talking about he, he, he might be, could be even be on the sideline. I heard him on an interview talking to Dan Patrick about it. And when they got off got off the phone with him, Patrick says, I'm not sure about any of that I heard. I mean, it was crazy. I wish for thinking on his part. Uh, Alabama's yeah, about just, to lose their, their one of their coaches now going to uh, Florida school. That's all right. Save as long as Saban's there, they'll they'll do all right because he's got yeah, they, they, he's got a pipeline. Yeah, there's no no problem there. Yeah, they don't revamp. So, they just reload every year. Yeah, I'm so impressed with this quarterback, and, and so looking forward if he doesn't get hurt. Four years of watching him play. Because <clears throat> I sure thought after Henry left that uh, they were going to struggle this year. And they and they have had some close games where they didn't play as well. But I'm so impressed with this 18-year-old kid that plays like a 10-year pro veteran. <coughs> His quarterback. Hmm. But then I, they, I found out watching the game – this past Saturday, his father was a football coach, so he's been around football his whole life. His father was a high school coach. He's been yeah, his father co- coached him in high school. Yeah, uh, but he's been in, he's been hanging around and you know listening to uh, being part of football huddle since he was six years old. <coughs> yeah, it makes all the difference in the world. Yep, and I'm so. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed in how the Saints did, especially since we may lose uh, Sean Patrick after this year, but or Sean Payton after this year. But uh, you think I really hope. Uh, well, you know, Bobby and I were talking about it. You know, he probably needs to. He's been there ten years. years. He, he probably needs to change the venue. I think any coach could stay too long. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, I'm uh, I'm so happy for Matt Ryan. I hope he gets the MVP. He should. And you just don't at his age. He's just he he's just done something this season. It's just unbelievable. Well, the way the the way the, the games are matching up, the way that the things are this weekend, unless something screwy happens, Seattle will be coming here next Saturday. And you think uh, so? Who they playing? Seattle plays. Uh, they play the Lions on Saturday night, and if if the Lions win, they're the low seed. They'll go to Dallas, and we would get the winner of the Green Bay uh, Giants game. But if 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 Seattle wins, they'll be coming here because they'll be the highest seed left in it. Yeah. We should have at least had a chance to beat them. When we played them earlier in the season, if the officials had made the call, nobody wanted to make the call there at the end when they when they uh, had an arm bar on uh, Julio Jones trying to go up for a pass. But uh should be a good ball game. If either, either, either team that comes here, the team that scares me more than anybody is Green Bay because they're hot right now. Yeah, they're hot as 38. And Aaron Rodgers, as long as he's on the field, they got a chance. 
when it, let me tell you something. When he's cooking, you can forget it. Man, he he puts it in spots that you you couldn't even think you could walk up there and put it in there. Yeah. He uh, they had one play in the game Sunday that uh, uh, he he just bought time, bought time, and they they replayed it. He threw a touchdown pass, and after they replayed it. He he sh- he run around for nine seconds before he threw the ball, and they're telling you you're supposed to get rid of it within three seconds. Yeah, he don't pay no attention to that. No. I tell you what, Dallas's current quarterback is—I mean, anybody that's got pushes Tony Romo to second string, he's pretty impressive too. Much as I hate Dallas. I can't see anybody yeah. picking Romo up either. I mean, I, I wouldn't invest a quarter in him. Well, if, if Dallas is smart, they'll keep him as a backup and pay him whatever it is he wants, and let him enter that, that 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 kid they got now, and let him play every once in a while. He played this past weekend and came in and went right down the field and scored a touchdown. You know, let him let him to a score. As long as Alabama beats Clemson as a repeat of last year, that's all that matters to me this this Saturday. Well, I hope it's a good game. No, they play they play Monday night. Is it Monday night? Monday night this week. Yeah, you got NFL games Saturday and Sunday, and then they play Monday night. Saban will hopefully if he they win this game, he gets his sixth national championship. He'll tie the bear. Well, I went to the ball game Sunday. I didn't know. I didn't think I'd ever go to another one. But I, uh, the young lady that bought my ticket, she'd been after me all year to go to one more game with her. And uh, I didn't have church Sunday, so I was free. And it, I, I went to the first game they played in the dome, so I thought I'll go to the last one. And uh, well, I sure do miss going. But uh, that, that was, was that game. was it for me. Yeah, it was. It was a real good game. Atlanta bothered me that they quit doing the things that they had done in the first half and were successful in the second half and started trying to run the ball and 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 uh, just eat the clock up rather than just keep keep throwing the ball and doing the things they, they were successful with. Well, they had to let let uh, New Orleans make a comeback, you know. Well, yeah, they had to make <laughs> it interesting. Well, I sat there, you know, and I, I just, for the life of me, that dome's 25 years old, and for the absolute life of me, I do not understand why they're going to just tear it down. It makes no sense, does it, in reality? Perfectly good stadium. So, we'll, uh... Well, where they're building the, uh, the new one, the new Mercedes dome, has it affected the parking? Well... At the current... There's very little parking there to begin with. And, you know, it's just, it took a couple of the little smaller lots away. I mean, people go down there and they they tailgate and so forth, but you're just, you have to really just not be with it if you're not, if you don't ride MARTA to the games there. Parking is expensive and it's, uh, they just, you, you, you know, I've always thought that's so wrong to charge people to park. No. How are they supposed to get there on a helicopter? 
Well, see, in Atlanta, you I got mean, that MARTA train that runs right there. I mean, you get off, you are there. You do, you walk right up a covered walkway. You never get wet. You know, you never, you know, you're never, you're, I mean, you're outside, but you're never exposed to the rain or whatever. And you just walk out, walk in the stadium. And when you leave, you go out, you get on the, you get on the uh, the train, and you ride back to your car. And MARTA doesn't charge anything to park. It's free. And uh, it costs you five bucks to ride the train, two fifty each way. They're How charging those parking decks down down there around that stadium. Some of them are, you know, thirty thirty five dollars a game, depending on how close they are. I mean, it's just it's crazy. That's insanity. I don't even know how they draw the prices. I really don't. I talked I to some of the people there that I, that I've sat around for years. And they told me there's a couple of them there that said they are they're going to the new stadium that they they bought the cheapest PSL which is five hundred dollars. He said, but they are they are at the top of that place. And I talked to a couple of people. One guy came by and shook my hand. He said, well, it's been fun, but I won't see you anymore. And I said, no, you know I'm not going. And he goes, no, I'm not going either. He said, I'm not. He said I've been sitting on the front row of this dome for the last fifteen years. Bought my tickets every year. And now they want me to pay five hundred dollars. They're going to move me to the top of the place. He said, Nah, I ain't going. He said, I got a sixty-five inch TV at home. I can watch. You know, eventually they're going to price themselves out. Sure, they are. I don't care who you are. Yeah, they're going to. You know, well, they've taken the game away from the fans. Uh, The game belongs to the corporate people now. and that's that's what they're after, I guess. But it's uh, I don't know. I wish them all the luck in the world. I'll just stay home and watch them. I'll still follow them, but I just uh, not like before. I mean, I used to go to New Orleans every year to the game. Really? I mean, it was like a field trip, man. We would. I'd work on the tour on Friday night, and as soon as I got out of the tour on Friday night, I'd get in my car and I'd drive to New Orleans. Or I actually would drive to Slidell. I always stayed in Slidell. And I'd, I'd get some sleep Saturday, and then I'd, Saturday night we'd go, go out in the eat and maybe go downtown, walk around, look around, go to the game Sunday and come home. I'd be back at work Monday. Just like I had That's good stuff. sense. Uh, he enjoyed himself, so what? I did, you know. and then I did. I had a good time. I've been to, I went to Tampa a couple of times and watched him play. So yeah, it was just. I, We're uh, just passing through here, man. That's all. There it is. There it is. And, and you might as well you have a good time you while you're here. That? I mean, if you enjoyed it, why not do it? Yep. You know. I enjoyed going to Tampa because Jack and Jerry were big Tampa Bay Bucks fans. Jerry still is, and they yeah, always tailgated and had a good time, and it always it was always a lot of fun to go aggravate them. But uh, it's uh, times have changed. Yep, it has changed. Everything's for a season, you know. We were talking the other day. I, was, I don't remember who I was talking to when the, when the Atlanta Hawks first came to Atlanta. You know, they were in St. Louis, and, and they came here. And uh, the first two years they were here, they played out at Georgia Tech. And the very first season they were here, me and my uncle, we bought season tickets for the Hawks. Now, the Hawks played 40 home games. 
But the seats, we bought the seats right behind the goal. We were like on the first, second row behind the goal. And the tickets were $2 a game. So for 80 bucks, you got 40 ball games. And it didn't cost anything to park out there. And, I mean, we're talking, <clears throat> this is back in the day when Jerry West, Will Chamberlain, uh, Elgin Baylor, those guys were all playing. And, you know, we, I saw some great basketball. But now, the seats you can get for a Hawks games now is like 20 bucks. See, and that's, you have to have oxygen. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Georgia Tech, to go see an ACC basketball game is 25 bucks. I mean, it's just I don't know how people do it. I don't either. I don't either. I don't either. When the best seat you can have is on your couch. Yes, sir. <laughs> and TVs have gotten so good that oh, tell me. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it's almost. Ridiculous. I mean, you you can be in the huddle with them. That TV Michael Norris is sitting there watching. You can see the sweat on her head on that thing. (laughs) What kind you got? It's a uh, Samsung um, HD uh, smart TV. I can can go on the, the Internet on my TV and everything else. So do you uh you do you ever go see the Sand Nats play or do they still have a Sand Nats team baseball team down there? No, they they they, they don't have them anymore. They got they call the Savannah Bananas. The oh, bananas. Lord. Yeah, they grow like crazy. They grow they grow. <laughs> but you have to have a, 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 a mosquito net when you go down go down there and watch a play. I've, I've been I went to see the Sand Nats one time since I've been here. I had tickets right behind home plate, but I mean, you know, the mosquitoes and the gnats eat you up. So, That's as uh, bad as New Orleans. New Orleans had a semi or a, a minor league team. They were called the New Orleans Zephyrs. They changed the name this year to the the uh, New Orleans um, something babies. Their their mascot went from being a zephyr to being a, a like the baby that you get in a king cake. Oh jeez, I don't know. Really I can't remember these names for these teams. I'm not going. But their uh, their their uh, practice field is uh, baby cakes. The New Orleans baby cakes. That's what they're called now. Their practice field is right next, uh, or their stadium where they play is right next door to the uh, Saints um, training facility. The reason I know that is because when the it's in Metairie. The circus used to play in their parking lot. We used to set up in the, the Zephyr's parking lot. I guess the last minor league game I went to was to see the see the Columbus Astros. Went to Golden Ooh. Park. I had an off night and I went down there, and uh, uh, you know, trying to trying to go down there and nobody hopefully nobody knows you, you know. And I went in there and of course walked through the gate and the first thing I see somebody recognized me and hollered at me. And I just I went to, way up to the top of that place up there on the top row, and uh, watched. I forget who they even played, but I went. I went and watched them. That's a nice ballpark. Yes, it is. They say I've been by it. I've never been in it, but you know the the Gwinnett Braves, which is Atlanta's AAA affiliate, plays 
you know, right up the road outside the city here in Gwinnett County. They've got a gorgeous ballpark up there. Yeah, they they draw every night up there. Yeah, I think their minor league teams draw better than, of course, their minor league teams play better and have better records or have had the last couple of seasons. Well, they, they the ticket prices are so much more in line with what people can afford. Well, that's the truth. That's they, the you know, and now that this new stadium, when it opens up, I haven't seen ticket prices. I don't know what they're going to be. But I'm telling you, traffic is going to be an absolute nightmare, and I don't care what they say. There's no way to put another 40,000 people every night in that area and it not be a mess. Yeah. Where's it going to be, Bobby? Jerry, when right you, go through Atlanta, you, go, you go through 75, you know, you come through Atlanta and you're going north, and you get right. to the 75-285 interchange on the north side. Oh, good grief. Just as you go under 285, it's going to be right there on your left. Right there it's where the, the gallery north. in Cumberland Mall are, and it's already Go, Yeah, going north, there. if you're looking at that 285-75 interchange, it's in the northwest quadrant up there, just I outside 285. I wouldn't get in that traffic to see anybody play anything. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, it, it's just every day it's just standstill up there now. Their goal, the last thing I read, they're gonna they're trying to convince people that at some point they want them to park on the south side of 285 at that Cumberland Office Park, and they're going to construct a bridge across 285 and want you to walk over there. But if that's the case, you're going to have to walk a quarter mile to get to the ballpark. Randy said that's the right. other day we were doing something together, and Randy said, you know, we're going to have to go at least once just to see the new stadium. I said, Randy, we'll have to get up there at 9 o'clock in the morning. Because the way me and you walk, I said, well, it'll take us to game time to get over to the ballpark. You, you know, that's almost just, insanity to put something up there like that. You just check into that hotel that they're going to build right there. Uh, well, I'm telling you, well, you know, <laughs> from a business viewpoint, I understand why they did it. They did a they did a, uh, a, a graph of where their season ticket holders were based, where they lived. The, like almost 85 or 90% of Brave season ticket holders live either in Dunwoody in North Fulton County or they live in Upper Cobb County. So they put the ballpark out there where their season ticket holders are. But I promise you, when them season ticket holders start dealing with that traffic, they're going to wish they had stayed downtown. I'm sure. Well, it don't matter because I'm not going to either one of those new stadiums. Me neither. You know, the Falcon Stadium is about 20 feet from the existing one. Yeah, I saw that on TV the other day. So, how much do you think Mercedes is going to pay to have their name on top of that building? Ain't no telling. I'm wondering. Me and Mike was talking about this the other day. You know, they already, uh, you know, the Superdome's got their logo on top of it. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to keep it or. I don't know. Well, gentlemen, I know it's only the three of us, Mike, but I'm going to have to cut it loose. Yeah, I well, I understand. Here, I, I got it's, a uh, cold weekend coming up. I'll be out there in it. Them Canadians well, will be wearing shorts and flip flops walking up and down the beach. They do. Well, I won't I know. see them. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you guys get any uh, deep snow down there, they do they recruit you to drive a snow plow? They could. <laughs> 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 but if I got so into the city, I could handle it for them. 
<laughs> yeah, I could take care of that for him. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, uh, once again, Jay will get over. I told him, don't worry about yeah. it. We've got everything covered. The main thing is for him to get well, and get feeling better. Yes, please. <clears throat> but I uh, appreciate it, guys, and uh, we'll get together next week, and we'll uh, try and do this again. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Y'all have a great week. All right. Y'all you too. Good night, Bye-bye. everybody. Good night, guys. All right. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.